Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. In this passage, we've been looking at the last three weeks or so. It says, grace and peace. Come on, say it with me. Put it in the chat. Say, grace and peace. Now, because of those very spiritual words, let's give some more definitions to it. We say grace has 19, over 19 different definitions in the New Testament. Some of those definitions are gift, favor, divine influence upon the heart, spiritual gifts, the anointing, benefits, the power of God, graciousness, thanksgiving, thanks, what is acceptable, and more. Peace is the, is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom, which means wholeness, quietness, prosperity, rest, the peace that comes from being whole, nothing missing, nothing broken. All of that can be multiplied to you. And as you hear me always emphasize, it's not dependent about what goes on in your community, in your city, in your state, or this nation. Grace being multiplied to you has nothing to do with the nation. Peace being multiplied to you has nothing to do with the nation. Everything can go wrong in this nation and everything could blow up at the same time and you can still have peace. But if you get your peace from national stability, if you get your peace from a certain political party, if you get your peace from the economy being one way, if you get your peace because the Wall Street says this, if you get your peace because the media says that, if that is the source of your peace, you will not have any. But if the scripture, what we'll read here, is the source of your peace, no matter what happens, you can live in peace. It'll be like Goshen, where the children of Israel were in the midst of Egypt being judged, and nothing touched them. Though while Egypt was dark, Goshen had light. That peace, that quietness, that rest can be multiplied to you. That grace, that divine influence upon the heart, that ability, that favor can be multiplied to you. And it's come multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Now, knowledge here means exact, complete, full knowledge. It is not just knowing a bunch of facts. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing him. It's the understanding that comes from relationship. Not understanding that comes from quoting a lot of scriptures. Anybody can quote scriptures. Even Satan quotes scriptures. We saw that in the temptation of Jesus. He quoted scripture. It's not about do you know about him, it's do you know him. That makes all the difference in the world. Because a lot of Christians have settled for meeting Jesus. They've come to the altar, they met him. They got saved. They may even be living right now. Well, they don't know him. It's like if you talk to someone and said, hey, do you know so-and-so? And they say, you know what? 
I met so-and-so maybe 20, 25 years ago, but I don't know them. This Christianity, some of us have settled for meeting Jesus instead of knowing Jesus. And grace and peace are multiplied through your knowing him, through your relationship with him. And then you're not just reading the Bible, saying, oh, I got to read the Bible. No, you're reading the Bible because he's talking to you through the Bible. You're not just praying, it's like, oh, I got to pray. No, I'm talking to somebody. Remember when you pray, you are talking to someone. You're not just speaking words out there. No, you are talking to somebody. And it would be good every once in a while to pause to see if they have something to say back. Even when you pray in the Spirit and you pray in other tongues, you are still talking to someone. It's not just rattling a bunch of syllables out there. No, you're talking to somebody. Notice what it says next here. That grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge, the knowing, this intimate relationship of God and of our Lord Jesus, according as divine power hath given us, past tense, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything you need for life and living life in a godly way is yours. You don't have to wonder, does God want me to have it? If it pertains to the life he's called you to live and living that life in a godly way after godly sort, it is yours. But notice how it comes to you. Through the knowledge, same word again, of him. Through that relationship. So whatever you need comes through that relationship with him. Whether it's healing, whether it's financial, whether it's wisdom, whatever you need comes through that relationship with him. Because remember the scripture all said all things are yours. The scripture tells you you've been made an heir of this world just like Abraham. The whole planet belongs to you. I'll say it again. The whole planet belongs to you. He gave it to you. And if he gave you everything, what is rent? If he gave you everything, what is a mortgage payment? If he gave you everything, what is that thing that you need that you're so concerned about today? Whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whatever it is. If he gave you everything, it's yours. Whatever is the desire of your heart that's a godly desire, it's yours. And it comes to you through relationship. Your relationship with him. Can I talk to the single people for a moment? Well, let me, specifically the single people who are looking for somebody, because some of you single people, it's like, no, I ain't going there again. I'm done. I am satisfied by myself. That's okay to be. But for the single people who are looking for somebody, that somebody is going to show up because you follow the prompts of the relationship. That for some reasons, like, you should go to this place today. I don't want to go there. And they've been, they've been there the whole time. And you've looked everywhere else but there. 
it's not as deep as you'd like to make it. We think, well, I have to reach a certain place in my maturity for so-and-so to show up. Well, you 80. If you're, if you're not mature by now, we've over-spiritualized some stuff because it has nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. We come up with some religious notions. You know, that talk show you hear them talking about was set enough for a Q&A session with me and First Lady where y'all can ask the questions that y'all really want to ask, not the spiritual questions, but the questions you really want to ask. So make sure y'all sign up for that because we get to have a little bit of fun and answer the questions that you really want to ask. Because God is not keeping things from you when he's given everything to you. You'll miss things because you don't pursue the relationship with him. It's all in the relationship. You mean to tell me that God doesn't want you to have a spouse if you desire to have a spouse? No, not everybody wants to have a spouse. The scripture talks about that. You don't have to have it. Let me say it this way. You do not have to be married to live a full life. Because some of you have said, well, my life begins when I get married. So what have you been doing the rest of these decades? You mean to say God doesn't have a good life planned for you? In singleness? Quiet in this church. You mean that you can't be whole while being single? So I'm looking for my better half. Well, that's just going to be two broken people together. And yes, while you wait for so-and-so to show up, yes, work on yourself. Another quiet point. Because a lot of times we want Mr. and Ms. Perfect to show up and we don't want to work on ourselves. Lord, come on, bring me somebody rich and you got a whole lot of debt. How about you work on your debts as you wait for them to show up? What are you bringing to the table? Because if neither of you have a table, somebody's got to bring a table. And somebody's got to bring something to the table. Come on, work on yourself to the point that when you come together, that it's not just a Jay-Z, Beyonce song. You can actually upgrade somebody. It's through relationship. Everything for this life. Living in a godly way comes through your relationship with Jesus. Now, the thing is, he'll direct you in places, I guess staying with my single community right now, to meet people, but he won't tell you that's where they are. He'll tell you to go there because another reason. Or just tell you, just go there. Well, I don't want to go there. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, you got the results of that. There's a lot of things God has for us that he doesn't tell us exactly what it is. He's just telling us to follow the leading because he's our shepherd. You just got to follow his leading. How many times have people had job opportunities and business opportunities because they were at the right place, at the right time, talking with the right people? And the thing is, those moments shouldn't be just so sporadic. That should be our everyday life because we're living out of that relationship with him. 
following the divine promptings of the Spirit of God. And it's not always a voice. Because some of you are like, oh, I'm waiting for a voice to come down from heaven and tell me what to do. Well, you may be waiting for a long time. Because that's not the normal way God operates in the lives of believers. It says the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God lives within your heart. As soon as you're born again, the Holy Spirit himself moves on the inside of you. And it says he bears witness with your spirit. He gives evidence to your spirit. He gives another, another translation says he'll give you peace on the inside. That's what the scriptures tell us, peace. And so when you're about to go somewhere and you have lack of peace or absence of peace, don't go there. So I have plans. Don't go there. Well, I've already paid. Don't you dare go there. Because that peace is direction and warning from the Holy Spirit of God. How many times have we seen it on the news? Oh, something told me not to go there. It's not a something. He's a someone. His name is Holy Spirit. And you notice people who tell that aren't just all saved. But let you know the Holy Ghost talks to everybody, saved and unsaved. Stop telling yourself you can't hear from God. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, after the glory departed, they're full-blown sinners, right? They're not a halfway sinners. When Adam and Eve sinned, they are sinners, right? How many know that? That's... Yet they could hear from God as sinners. Stop telling yourself you can't hear from God. A lot of times we don't because we listen to everybody else. We keep ourselves loud, not saying that you're loud people, but you have everything else fill your ears and you don't quiet it down. That you're quick to turn to whatever is your news channel of choice. You're quick to turn to whoever your favorite politician. You're quick to turn to social media. You're quick to turn to everybody else but Jesus. And Jesus becomes your last resort. What type of relationship is that? How many of you want always to be somebody's last resort? I haven't even gotten through the first scripture. How many of you want to be somebody's last resort? What type of relationship have you cultivated with Jesus? I remember when the song came out with Israel Holtz and I am a friend of God. We sung that song and wore it out. We wore out that song, paused it, came back, wore it out again. Come on, denominations all across the world have sang that song and sang that song and sang that song. And guess what? We're going to keep singing that song because we keep realizing how God's been a great friend of us and that he would actually call us a friend. Jesus has been a friend to us, but have we been a friend to him? It's the relationship. Living holy comes through relationship. Living right comes through the relationship. Because you can't live right without him. Sure, you can follow a bunch of commandments and do your best. But you know you're going to break one. You know you're not going to follow everything. And your commitment to following the commandment without relationship will leave your life harsh. And then you'll look down on everybody else because they sin differently than you sinned. And if somehow you kept them all, just somehow, Pastor, somehow they kept them all. But guess what? If they kept them all, it was like, see, I'm better than everybody else. And there they go. There's the pride. 
It's the relationship. Let's see if I can get through two scriptures. I got a whole bunch of notes. Hopefully I get to some of them. Let's see. Where are we next? Through the knowing of him that has called us, that has invited us to glory and virtue. We said this word called means invited us, and this word glory is the Greek version of the Shekinah glory manifest in the Old Testament. When he saw and read in the Old Testament the cloud, the light, the fire, the wind, the rain, that was the Shekinah glory of God. And that's what this word is. It's God's magnificence. It's his majesty. This word for virtue is his intrinsic eminence, his inherent excellence and fame, connected with the manifestation of his divine power. That's what you've been invited to. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That through the promise, you've been invited to glory and virtue, and through the promises of God, which Psalms 91 lets us know is a shield for us, and with all the promises of God, as we sang earlier, are yes and amen, through those promises, you can partake of the divine nature. What is that? The nature of God. Life as God has it. It all flows through relationship and knowing the promises. So when you read the word of God, and you see a promise. You're not just thinking this is a promise by some being far out there who's made me a promise. No, this is a promise from my God, my Savior, my friend. And because I have a relationship, I know he's going to keep the, his end of the deal. It's hard for you to stand on a promise if you don't have a relationship. Because relationship leads to track record. Because when you walk with them long enough, Certain things don't bother you because, like, well, you know, yeah, I went through something before, but God's faithful. Yeah, he brought me out of that. Yeah, he fixed that. Yep, he healed me. He did that. He, track record. It's like David when he stood before Goliath. I took down a lion. I took down a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be no different. And why do you say that phrase? Because that means that Philistine, this giant who's a national problem, has no covenant. I have a covenant. I have a relationship. I have a track record. God took down the bear and the lion through my hands, and this giant is going too. Relationship, track record, it helps you stand on the promise. It's hard for you to believe a promise comes to pass if you don't have a relationship it's hard for you to have faith in God's word, God's promises, if you don't have a relationship. So many people are trying to use the principles of the word of faith with no relationship. And when it doesn't work out, they say, well, this faith stuff doesn't work, or this word of faith stuff may not be true. No, it's true, but if you have no relationship, what happens in your life will be on a very low level. having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the corruption, the destruction, the ruin, the decay, the moral decay, things that are being brought into a worse condition that are in the world through the desires of humanity, you can escape all of that by partaking of the divine nature. We used that ex the example last two weeks. We'll use it again. You can go to a barbecue this summer that has all your favorite foods, foods that are healthy, and foods that, well, you'll need to work off the next couple weeks. That you need to up your exercise program because, man, that was good. But you can sit at that table and be hungry. You'll be hungry as long as you don't partake 
of the food that is on the table. You can live without the divine nature and be a Christian because you did not partake what God put on the table. He says he lays out a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Stop focusing on your enemies. Enjoy what's at the table. Stop being impressed by darkness. Focus on what's on the table. Because when you partake what's on the table, you can live higher. When you partake what's on the table, you won't go down with humanity. You'll go up. And what happens is you go up. You're salt. You're light. People see that. And your life becomes a witness. An old church father said it this way, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Does your life preach? Or does your Sunday between 10 a.m. through 12.30 preach? Scriptures, scriptures. Mark 3, there we go. Let's get to a new scripture this week. Mark chapter 3. The supernatural life comes through relationship. Prayer is the fuel of the superhuman, supernatural life. And not just uttering a bunch of prayers, but it's that communication with God. See, prayer is two-sided. It's twofold. Prayer is communication with God, and there's a part of prayer where you're partnering with God, and God is working through your praying. Mark chapter 3. Verse 13, and Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came, who? Those he called, those he invited, right? Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Notice he invited all those he wanted to be with him. He gave an invitation. He extended an invitation. And all those who accepted the invitation came to be near Jesus. And out of those who accepted the invitation, he picked 12 to be apostles. Now, remember, we showed you this before, and we see it all throughout the Gospels, the 12 weren't the only people who were with Jesus. There was a large group of people that was close to Jesus that went with them many places. You remember, you have the 12, you have the 70, you have Mary, you have Martha, you have Lazarus, you have different family members of Jesus who were part of his crew. Because some say, oh, Jesus' family didn't believe him until after he was raised. No, 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 his brothers did not believe. He had family support too. Jesus had family support on this earth. He had friends support on this earth. It talks about his friends. His Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were his friends. Yes, they knew he was the son of God, yet he had friends. He's a son of God on a mission, yet he still had time to have friendships. What is your excuse? He didn't call you an island. So, oh, I don't got time for people. People are messy. Well, you was kind of messy too. Jesus, it says, he knew what was in people, yet he still had friends. Yet he still lived in a certain way. That yes, you may have gone through stuff and had some bad relationships, some bad friendships, but that doesn't mean you need to wall yourself out from everybody. That there's some things in this life you won't experience as part of the goodness of God if you don't live in the context of community. We need each other. There are answers that God has for you that he'll put in relationships he's called you to be in. 
that if you don't develop that friendship or become part of that community, you won't understand what God has for you because you said, I can do this by myself. See, that's why that, you know, that popular lie, well, I don't need to go to church. It's so dangerous. Because sometimes going to church is not just about you, it's about who you're next to, who you encounter, who you connect with online. It's not just about you getting what you need. People say, well, I don't need the church because I'm deconstructing my faith because there's church hurt. Look, there has been church hurt, business hurt, government hurt, school hurt, all types of hurt, and every single generation since mankind fell. You've been hurt at the job, yet you still go. You've been hurt at a grocery store one time before. Somebody was rude to you as you checked out. Yet you still want some groceries. Come on. Some of you who like coffee, anybody like coffee like me? You might have had a bad experience at a coffee house, yet you still drink that coffee. Don't allow popular lies to lead you away from God's best for your life. No matter how popular the lie is. Because you know what happens when people separate themselves? It's easy for Satan to take them out. And how many people have been taken out because they separated themselves? Because what happens is someone separates themselves because of hurt or because of shame. That's another reason seeing people separate themselves, because they're ashamed at whatever they did. So they separate themselves. Or they were hurt, so they separate themselves. Those areas are perfect places for demons to torment. They thrive on shame. They thrive on offense. And then he said, well, I'm going to be spiritual all by myself. And so now that you're separated from a community of believers, you begin to believe a whole lot of stuff. And all it takes is that demon come as an angel of light and appearing like a dead family member. And before you know it, you're in witchcraft. Before you know it, you're burning sage and all the stuff in your house, trying to get the spirits out your house. But every time you burn it, you invite them, come on in, come on in, house party for devils. All because of offense, hurt, or shame. Oh, I went to a Christian witness. A Christian fortune teller, a Christian psychic. People can put a label on anything, but don't mean that's who they are. Stop playing with devils. Some of you spooked out by multiverse of madness, but you got more of that in your house because of what you've been doing. Scriptures, scriptures. Mark 3, there we go, Mark 3, that's where we were. So notice, he invited people to be with him. But then, even when he commissioned or appointed the 12 to be apostles, their first ordination or their first calling, their first appointment wasn't to preach. It wasn't to heal the sick or cast out devils. Number one was to be with him. Number one was to be in proximity with him. Number one was to have a relationship with him. We need to keep first things first. 
Because it's very possible to get busy doing the work of Jesus and not have a relationship with Jesus. It's very easy to do what God has called you to do and not have a relationship with the one who called you. But the strength you need to carry out the mission, the power you need to fulfill the call flows from relationship. You have to have the relationship. Now, you know something that was interesting? I've been reading through Mark over the last week or so. And I saw this phrase again and again and again. We see it in Mark 7, 14 too. And when he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. This phrase I found at least seven different times in the Gospel of Mark alone. He called them to himself. And sometimes he was calling his, the 12 to himself. At other times, he was calling his disciples to himself. Other times, he would call the multitude to himself. But I kept seeing it pop out again and again and again, especially as I read this week. He was calling them to himself. And sometimes when he called himself, he would explain things. He will give them some information. He will provide some clarity. He will give them some instructions. He would commission them. He would share what was on his heart. How many things are we missing in our life because we do not accept the invitation when he calls us to himself? And it's more than just church on Sunday. Because it's a daily invitation and as an invitation throughout the day. Let me talk to some of you who think I'm just waiting for the world to calm down, to settle down a little bit so I can get some rest. You know, 2020 was a lot. And then 2021 started with an insurrection, and it kept being a lot. 2022 started with a global geopolitical conflict, and it's keep rolling out. I'm just waiting for the world to calm down, and then I'll get some stuff in order. Look, if you're waiting for that, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Well, I'm just going to take a vacation. Please, take a vacation. Take a break. You need it and your family need it. You need a vacation. I believe in taking a vacation. Believe for God and use favor and get a good one. Get upgraded everywhere you go. Good things. But the thing is, if you take a vacation without knowing this principle, with what's coming on the earth this summer and this fall, your vacation will do you no good. You'll be just as overwhelmed when you go on vacation when you came back, except you spent money to go. He's calling us to himself. It's a daily invitation. It's an invitation throughout the day. That doesn't mean that if he invites you somewhere throughout the day, it doesn't mean you need to run to your prayer closet. It just means you just turn inwardly. Yes, sir. How can I help you? So what would you like me to do, sir? My father, what do you need? It's the turning to him throughout the day. It's inward. You may not even be audible once, but inward. Yes, sir. I'm listening. I'm looking for your direction. I sense you leading me somewhere. What do you want me to do? Because remember, it says if you acknowledge him, he will direct your path. He is daily and throughout the day calling you to himself, calling you into a deeper relationship, calling you to a higher place. Matthew 11, let's look there. Go to Matthew 11, verse 28. How much do we miss in our life because we don't accept the daily invitation of Jesus to come to him? Matthew 11, 
Verse 28. Come to me. You know what's interesting about this phrase? It's the same phrase when Jesus was called the 12 and the disciples, follow me. Same phrase. Follow me. Come to me. All you who are labor and heavy laden, all of you who are stressing out through your work and you feel overwhelmed and you feel burdened down, you feel weighed down, come to me, follow me, and I will give you rest. Notice it's the coming to him and the following him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me or watch how I do it. Follow my example. Follow me. Now, one of the things about a yoke, if you yoke two oxen together, they're very close. One oxen's right here. The other one's right there. So once again, this is the context of proximity. It's the context of relationship. And he's saying, watch how I do it. So before you take a step, look to me so you know you're doing the right thing. And so if you feel overwhelmed, you feel burdened down, you feel like I just can't take it, Jesus says, look at me. Follow me. Watch how I do it. I'm not going to put anything heavy on you. I have rest for you. And I'm not far away. I'm right there with you. It says, I am gentle and lowly. That means humble in heart. The scripture also says he, it's self-control, but it's also controlling of your emotions. Follow my example. It says, I am gentle. It means I am meek. I mean, I have my emotions under control. She said, you want to live not overwhelmed? You want to live not burdened down? Watch how I control my emotions. That's the fruit of the spirit meekness. It gives you the ability to control your emotions. Yes, control your mouth, but also control your emotions. Because some of you silent, quiet types still have a whole lot of emotions on the inside. And if you don't properly process that, it will damage you just like the people who run their mouth. Jesus saying, watch how I control my emotions. Which means you can't be part of this daily outrage culture. There is something new to be outraged about every single day. Just furious. From one day to the next can't be a part of that if you're going to live in peace and have rest. Because that outrage will steal your peace. Did Jesus really call you to be a Facebook warrior? Just get into the chat section. Huh. What did they say? I can't believe it. Losing all your peace debating with somebody who is not going to listen to you no matter what you say. Do you really have time for that? I ain't got time for that. Do you really have time for that? How much of your peace have you lost arguing with people online? Yes, I do know God tells people to do certain things, but did he tell you to do it? You know, the scripture also says, avoid foolish and unlearned questions. Yes, you can give an answer for why you believe what you believe, but avoid the foolish questions, avoid the unlearned questions, and avoid the traps. Avoid the bots. Avoid the trolls. Block trolls. 
arguing with trolls. They don't care what you got to say. Block. Block the spiritual trolls. Block your social media trolls. Just block. Why are you losing your peace over that? So I just can't control myself. Well, delete the app from your phone. Set a limit on your phone. How often are you going to be on this app? Set the limit and don't ignore it when the limit pops up. Say, well, I set a limit, but scroll, 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 scroll. Ah, oh my goodness, scroll, scroll, scroll. How could they say that? Scroll, scroll, scroll. I can't believe they wore that. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Ooh, did you see what happened over there? Scroll, scroll, scroll. It is five hours later, and you said you were going to wake up early to pray, but now it's too late for you. You can turn off all your alarms and rush out the door. Jesus said, watch me. Follow my example. Watch how I do it. Because, yes, there's a whole lot of things we have to do and be engaged in because of the world we live in. But there's a way to do it. And it's not the way of the world. When we use the world's strategies to accomplish kingdom objectives, we will look foolish every single time. We may be effective, but we may not have no power. So many people want bail confronting power, but they haven't left the brook yet. God said, leave the brook, go to Zarephath. Well, no, I like the brook. Scriptures. It's through relationship. It all flows through relationship. Go with me to 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. Let's look at this. It all flows through relationship. Say it all flows through relationship. First John chapter 1. Notice what the Apostle John is saying here. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen, who saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that your fellowship, say fellowship, may be with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. 
So we are lying if we say we have fellowship. And by the way, this word fellowship means partnership, intimate friendship, communion with God. But go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. So if you keep living in darkness and you say that you have a great relationship with God, you are lying. There's a whole bunch of people who say, yeah, I have a great relationship with God, but they know they're living in sin. So why pray? Well, well, doesn't mean you have a relationship. Why read the Bible? Doesn't mean you have a relationship. The scripture says if you keep living in darkness, I'm not saying if you sin, I'm saying if you make a mistake, I'm not saying you tripped up or you fell into something, but if this is your lifestyle, you do not have a relationship with God. That's what the scripture says. But people will say, well, no, I still do all these things and I still hear him. You may hear someone. It may not be him, though. Well, I felt something. Well, that could be pizza. But also notice there are religious spirits. And talk to my single community again. Just because they come to church doesn't mean they are a qualified candidate for you to date. Because a lot of people come to church. And some of them bring demons. That's what it says in the Bible. There was a man in the synagogue who had a devil while Jesus was preaching. Satan comes to church too. So just because someone says, well, I have a great relationship with God because, you know, you know they'll abuse the word grace, as the scripture says, and they cover for their lasciviousness. And the thing is, God still has mercy. He's still working with them and to them as far as he can. But the scripture tells us, follow them who are examples of faith and cheerful endurance or patience. Don't follow those who are teaching you to leave the word of God, to leave another life, because they have a revelation of something. You stick with the scriptures because through the scriptures, Jesus is talking to you. Now, notice it goes on and says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. See, if you live this way, it helps you have a good relationship with other believers. Even if you have nothing in common with them. Because one thing I said a couple weeks ago, one of the things about what makes church so unique, it brings people from all different types of walks of life together. Some people you never would have hung out with if they weren't saved. Because if you thought about it, how you were before you met Jesus, they would have been your enemies. Depending on how you were before you got saved, there may have been some altercations. I'll leave it at that. Altercations between you. But walking this way with Jesus helps you with having relationships with people you can see. Not just with the one you can. Notice what the scripture says next. And the blood of his son, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So for those of you who are living in darkness and you know it and say, well, I haven't sinned, you know and Jesus knows. We may not know, but you know and Jesus knows. I don't need to know. It ain't my business. But you know. And the thing is, what happens is a lot of people living this way, They'll say a lot of stuff and post a lot of things because they know what they're doing is not right. But it's their conscience trying to 
being seared as they keep saying, well, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. And the more they say it, the more they do it. They get to a dangerous part where they sear their conscience and their conscience can't talk to them anymore. And they, after that, they harden their heart so that when God talks to them, they cannot hear him anymore. The most dangerous and damning thing in this entire planet is a hardened heart. It's the most dangerous thing on earth. Because when God will try to rescue you from something, you can't hear him. When God is warning you, don't go, don't, 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 you're heading off a cliff, you can't hear him. Because you kept telling yourself for so long there's nothing wrong with this. It's 2022. The world is different. And I'm not saying there's an area where there's a gray area. No, I'm talking about stuff that's very clear. That you know without a shadow of doubt. I'm not talking about you're praying about and standing about, okay, is this right? I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm talking to God about this every day. I'm trying. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that are very clear. Instead of following the word, you decide to follow culture. Do it for the culture. Well, don't end up in a place where you can't hear God. Because it doesn't mean he's not talking. It means you are covering your ears and hardening your heart. Because Jesus said in the scriptures at any time, if they would turn, their ears would be open. They would be healed. They'd be converted any time, at any time. See why it's so dangerous. People say, well, what about once saved, always saved? Well, no one can steal your salvation from you. But the scripture does not say that you can never make a choice to walk away. How many people have met Jesus but eventually decided to walk away from him? And not just be backslidden, but keep progressing to the say, you know what, I don't want Jesus anymore. They left the relationship and they started going another direction. And then they hear the most dreadful words of eternity the most terrible words of eternity. Depart from me, I don't know you. Depart from me, I never knew you. How many, how many people in this generation who have darkened the doors of the church will hear those words? Because they turned. Because they believe lies. They reinforce those lies. And they made a decision. I don't want Jesus anymore. Sin is a serious thing. Because the wages of sin is death. But even more dangerous about sin, it messes with your relationship. It doesn't change how God feels about you. It doesn't change how much God loves you. But the more you stay in sin, the more you will separate yourself from a relationship with him. And sin is deceptive. And the longer you stay in it, it will convince you that what you're doing is right. Remember the proverb says twice, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that road is death. And it will take you to death. There's so many believers whose lives ended early because of 
a lifestyle they chose. And to say it this way, how do you want me to say it this way? Hold on, guys. Their life not progressing further in that direction was mercy. Because if they kept going, they would have turned away completely. This is serious business. We live in the last days. Whether he comes back this year or 70 years from now, we live in the end times. Whether he comes in our generation or not, we live in the end times. And we have to understand what the enemy's going to try to do is take you from the relationship. And if he's a person who can't change your religious habits, he'll have you keep the religious habits, but decrease in your relationship. So, well, yeah, you're not going to hell, but you're not effective in this life. The supernatural life flows from relationship. Or we get caught up with everything that's going on in the world, that we miss it, or we get caught up and what happens in another person's life. You know, Jesus said, follow me. But, you know, Peter asked this question in John. At the end of the Gospel of John, John 21. Peter turned around, this is John 21, verse 20, and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, that's the Apostle John, who had also leaned on Jesus' chest during the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? See, you know what's interesting about that? Peter believed that if John asked, Jesus would tell him. Because everybody at the table is saying, well, who's going to betray you? Who's going to betray you? And then I get in answers. But Peter says he motioned to John, hey, ask him. And so John leaned on Jesus and said, Jesus, who is it? And guess what? Jesus told him proximity and relationship. There are some questions you get answered because of proximity and relationship. And so later, Peter's looking at John and like, well, what about him? Because Jesus already told Peter, this is what your future holds. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to do. And he said, but Lord, what about this man? What about him? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? If I want him to stay alive till I come back, what does that have to do with you? In other words, nothing. You follow me. So instead of going, well, what about that Christian? What about that preacher? What about them? The word is still the same. What is that to you? You follow me. Don't be distracted because of other people's lives. You follow Jesus. Don't be distracted by what they do right or what they do wrong. You follow Jesus. You make sure you're in the book. You make sure that you pray. You make sure you're in the community of saints. You make sure that you are following after Jesus. That instead of going into darkness, you are pressing, pursuing a closer relationship with him.
because there's always more that he has for you. Don't remember what Paul said in Philippians 3. He I'm doing all these things that I might know him. He's like, whoa, Paul, you wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We think you know Jesus pretty well. But Paul is saying, I want to know him better. I want to know him more. I want to know him. There's more. Say, there's more. Yes, he's been a friend to you, but have you been a friend to him? Scripture says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Get closer. Come on, we used to sing, I remember for years, Fred Hammond would come here for New Year's and sing songs like, just to be close to you is what I desire. We're singing that song, draw nigh. Israel Holton for years will talk about how he's been a friend. There's an invitation that's been extended by the Almighty God to actually be friends with the Almighty God, to actually have a relationship with the Almighty God, where he's not your last resort, but the first person you turn to. This relationship gives you everything and empowers everything you do. I remember years ago, a number of years ago, I had this mini vision. And on top of visions, a lot of people think, you know, I'm a spooky person. I'm always caught up in visions because I'm not. So you think, oh, pastor has visions all the time. No, not really. But this one, I was reminded this morning to share with you that years ago, it was I was seeing a group of people. I saw a person driving the car, but Jesus was in the passenger seat next to him just talking with him. I saw a group of friends at a table laughing, having fun, enjoying being together as friends. And Jesus was at the table with them laughing, having fun with them. And then I remember there was some type of sporting event. And as they were cheering on the team, Jesus was enjoying it with them. And I remember the Lord told me that as we get closer to the end, the importance of the relationship, that personal understanding that Jesus is with you, that proximity of a relationship gets more and more important as you get closer to the end, that you realize Jesus is not just far away on a throne. He is with you. He says, learn from me. Look at me. He's yoked with you. He's right there. That yes, there are many times you actually see him, but you don't have to see him to know that he's with you. I've been in meetings before, especially at youth camps. I remember one time a number of years ago, we preached a message called Jesus anointed to heal your broken heart. And we prayed. One-fourth of the teenagers came down and said we had a broken heart. And you know what? Most of them were guys. The Holy Spirit ministered to them, and afterward, the glory of God just came into the room. To the point I could see the cloud, but the kids started seeing the cloud. They started pointing. There are angels. Wait, Jesus is right there. They could see him. He came to youth camp. I remember a few years ago when we took kids to the youth camp uh, close to the sea here. And I was just teaching them how to hear from God. I said, it's simple, more simple than you've ever thought. And I said, do this. I had them say, Jesus, I love you. And pause and listen to what you hear. So let's do this here because 
Your kids get it well. Let's see if you can do it well. Just pause. Get quiet. Don't, don't be deep. Don't be spooky. Say, I will not be spooky. Come on, you online. Say, I will not be spooky. Now just pause. Close your eyes and say, Jesus, I love you. Now pause and listen. Now, if you heard something, just lift your hand. See how simple it was? What did you hear? It's more simple than we've ever made it. And what you have to do is just do that on a regular basis. And you live open and you hear him more often. You just talk to him. You have a relationship with him. He will lead you and he will guide you. Well, what if I mess up? That's why First John keeps on going and says, and if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So walk in this relationship. Man, I did something stupid. God, forgive me. That was stupid. You confessed it. You judged it. You said it was wrong. He forgave you. He didn't say dwell there. You keep moving. It's a relationship. It flows from relationship. It's walking with him. It's knowing him. It's responding to this divine invitation to have a relationship with him. And as you do, you're on the lookout for things that would take you away from that relationship. See, John starts the letter talking about intimate friendship and partnership and fellowship with God. And he ends 1 John 5, 21 saying, little children, keep yourself from idols, false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for him, and would, that would take first place in your life. Amen, so let it be. The Amplified says, little children, believers, dear ones, guard yourselves from idols, false teachings, moral compromises, and anything that would take God's place in your heart. So as you progress in your relationship with him, you're making sure you don't go after idols. Now, you say, well, I don't, I'm not going to bow down to a gold statue. But there's other stuff you do bow to. And if in the New Testament, John had a right, guard yourselves from idols, that means it is an effective attack. It's a seductive attack. It'll take first place in your heart before you even know it. And what happens? You're not walking in close relationship. Well, God's not your number one. He may be number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, somewhere down there. But you're not walking in relationship. You're walking in religion. I'm not saying you won't make heaven. I'm just saying you're not going to experience heaven on earth that God has for you. It's relationship. And it's allowing him to correct you. It's allowing him to say, tell you, don't say that. But I really want to, don't say that. But you saw what happened, don't say that. Yes, sir. It's allowing him to be involved. 
I remember one time years ago, I was working in an office, and I was singing an old song we used to sing about the Holy Spirit. He's my helper. He's my friend. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. I'm just singing this in my heart. He's my helper, and the Holy Ghost stopped me. Well, if I'm your helper, let me help you. I'm like, oh, sorry. thought I was singing a spiritual song, but maybe I should yield. I said, well, sir, how should I do this? He's with you, not just to help you do spiritual things. He's with you. Somebody said, well, as long as I spend three hours in the morning in prayer and reading five chapters of the Bible, I'll be good. Well, that'd be great if you can do it. That's awesome. But you're really going to let the only time you talk with God be the morning? And let's say you don't have time for it because you've got a whole bunch of kids. A whole bunch of stuff going on in the morning. You still make time to pray and get in your word, but you turn to him throughout the day. You look for moments to turn to him. You look for opportunities to turn to him. Oh, man, this line is long. Well, sir, thank you for being with me in this line. You look for those moments. It was five seconds. Five seconds well spent. It was one minute. One minute well spent. You look for opportunities throughout the day to turn to him. It doesn't have to be out loud. It'll be inwardly, having an inward conversation with him. So I don't know what to say. Just say, Father, thank you. You see something beautiful in nature, Father? You did such a good job on that. It's that inward conversation. It's that constant turning to him, constant looking to him. That's that relationship. That's that acknowledging him. That's how you go higher. That's how you live the supernatural life. It all comes through relationship. That's where it flows from. That's what's available to you. It's yours. It's an invitation. But will you respond to that invitation? Because in this relationship, that's where you get Philippians 4, where it says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. There are things that are going to pop up that will cause you to either choose anxiety or worry or choose peace. But when those things pop up, in that moment, you turn to him. And it says, let your request be known. With Thanksgiving, when you made it with faith. Well, Father, I ask that you help me with this situation, and I thank you for it. You don't have to go to a prayer closet for three hours. You just turn to him. We have to get better at turning to him. See, that's how we develop a culture of prayer, not just having prayer meetings and praying before church and during church and after church and having times of prayer. Those are all good. But for a culture of prayer that produces power, to where the church is a place of power comes from believers turning to Jesus throughout the week. Because of what's coming upon this earth, this has to be a place where the glory of God is so hot, so strong in here, that people can come in and walk in and get cleansed off of whatever's on them. Or they walk in burdened down with demons, but they leave as they get through the doors. It has to be so hot because of the glory of God that dwells here because we have relationships with Jesus that when we gather that corporate anointing grows, that people walk in and burdens are removed and yokes are destroyed. Because of what's coming on there, that's what we have to be. It's a place where people are freed as they walk in. It's a place where the glory of God can dwell. Where it's more than just the person who preaches and the person who sings. It's the congregation gathering together knowing that we all have a relationship with Jesus. Each of us bringing our supply of the Spirit. It changes everything. 
Yes, we will prosper. Yes, we will help communities and help other organizations. That's all well and good, and that's what we must do. But what we also must do even above that is come up higher in our relationship with Jesus. Because as we do, the power increases. And in these days, we need power. With what's coming upon this earth, we need power. So you keep talking about what's happening in the summer and all this other stuff. Yeah, I'm doing it frequently now. I was at the table with my wife and my oldest the other day. I just kind of mentioned it. They just kept on going. They said, no, no, pause. You said something's coming. What's coming? I don't know all the details, but there's something coming. But why I've had these pastoral moments with you, and I've been emphasizing what I've been emphasizing, is that as we do this, it won't affect you. But you'll position yourselves, not only for you and your family to be good, but you can rescue those from darkness. But it flows through relationships. Because when you have this relationship, when you have this view, you'll see someone trapped in sin, and your first response won't be judgment. It won't be, well, I don't, believe, I don't know how you could know. It's, let me help you. And as you extend your hand, you're extending the hand of God himself. And as they come in contact, they're freed. They're delivered. They're made whole. Because that love that flows from your relationship with Jesus now flowing through you. That we're progressing to such a place that people double take. They don't know if they saw you or they saw the risen Savior himself. Because you're allowing him to have full expression through your life. Or you walk in the room and say, I don't know what it is about you. I don't know what happened, the vibes about you. Something's different. It's because Jesus is walking with you. And as you live this way, before you can even preach the message, you have an opportunity to invite them to know him too. So let me introduce you to Jesus. You can have a relationship with him too. This is what we have to get to. Because when we walk this way, the glory just won't be in this building where it does have to dwell. It'll be wherever you go. Where the glory cloud goes to the grocery store because you win. The glory cloud goes to the park and to the pool because you went. He's with you. Stand to your feet. I'd cut off here. He's with you. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen says in the message version, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's for you, this invitation, where you can know Jesus, not just know about him, you can know him, where you can have this relationship with him. This relationship doesn't make you spooky. This relationship does change you. And it makes you a person that Jesus can work through, talk through, heal through, deliver through. He 
He loves you. And he loves those who are around you. And the way he'll reach them is through you. See, even as we talk about prayer this summer and some of the things we'll talk about on Wednesday, dealing with some of these things is going to come from a place of relationship. Dealing with unseen, invisible, demonic powers. Dealing with things that have sat over this area comes from and through relationship. Making this community what it needs to be is going to come through relationship. We cannot neglect the relationship because of the busyness of life or the busyness of doing what we're supposed to do. We can handle the busyness if we stay with relationship. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.